Hey, this is David Naughton, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Victor Pascal of Pet Cemetery and many other cool things. Brad Greenquist, very cool to have you here. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah. So, first of all, I guess, how did you uh, how did you get the role of Victor Pascal? You know, I just auditioned for it, um, uh, I, and it was I was very busy at the time. Uh, and it was kind of sandwiched in between an audition for something that Mike Nichols was casting and something that Brian De Palma was casting. And this, you know, this was like, okay, um, the, the book was really big, but I wasn't particularly a um, Stephen King fan at the time. And so, you know, for me, it was like, oh, this low budget horror movie. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll squeeze that in. And so um, I didn't really, you know, I read the script, but I didn't really prepare so much uh, for it. Uh, I just went in and and went off of impulse, and uh, and I, I was I was put on tape. Um, the first audition was with the casting assistant, and then um, and then I was brought back in to talk with um, Mary Lambert, and she had seen a, a film I had done that had been released the year before called The Bedroom Window which was directed by Curtis Hansen. And she was very impressed by my work there. And anyway, we met and um, just talked about the role and we really hit it off. And, uh, and then, you know, then they worked out the deal and uh, that was that. So it was kind of, you know, just an audition out of many auditions. And I got yeah. really lucky. So you knew of the book, but had you, re had you uh, read it at that time? 
No, I hadn't read it. No, I hadn't read. Um, I don't think I had read any Stephen King novels at that point. I was like, I was into, I, I loved to read, but I was reading all these Russian things, Dostoevsky and Tolstoy at the time. And, and <laughs> that's, you know, that's a, that's kind of a wide gap between that and Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. So I hadn't, you know, I hadn't read any Stephen King. Of course, after getting the, um, getting the part, I read several of his novels, uh, certainly, uh, you know, Pet Cemetery. I read mm -hmm. that a few times, but I read a few of his other novels as well to, to and watched a whole bunch of his films uh, or films made of his, um, from his uh, novels to get a feel for the whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So did your interest in the character uh, change after you read the, you read the novel and see some of the movies? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I was like really into it, you know. You know, when I was <clears throat> when I was young, my first my first like film awakening was with those um those horror movies from Universal, those, you know, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula and all of those uh, they were just like I, I was crazy about them for a while when I was a kid. Um uh and for me, you know, those movies were what Pet Cemetery has become for a lot of people of my generation, you know, or mm -hmm. the generation right behind mine, people who saw it when they were children and they're like, you know, they're unshakable in their loyalty to it. <laughs> and that's, you know, for me, that was Frankenstein and, and Wolfman and Werewolf of London and all of those, those gothic horrors. And I still love those things. I think Bride of Frankenstein is one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. So, 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 um, so, you know, the, the new horror stuff, which was kind of that genre was just getting its teeth in the eighties, um, mm -hmm. due mostly to Stephen King, not solely, but mostly to Stephen King. And, and that whole film thing was, you know, it was starting to roll along and become very popular and it was developing from, things like creep show which were very very campy silly horror movies and into into much more serious work you, you know what i mean um so so it was kind of in the midst of a of a growth spurt of contemporary um horror films uh that's the way i see it anyway yeah because up until that in the 80s it was really like the slasher films like uh, friday 13th and Michael Myers and yeah, stuff. This those, is a, you know, totally different kind of horror. Yes, yes. The slasher films, those were those were kind of leading the way. Um mm -hmm. and um and you know, things like Pet Cemetery and the the other Stephen King things, I don't remember when what was made, like Dead Zone and, and Misery mm -hmm. and those you know, the Shining was you know, they were all big leaps forward, I think, in the genre, looking back now, you know. Um to see how, how it's developed since then. Uh, those were all, you know, pretty major leaps. And now, you know, now horror films are quite different. The genre has changed so much, and it's it's a very different uh, animal right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even like stuff like um, uh, Jordan Peele stuff is up for Academy Awards, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, totally yeah. Good. It's great. It's great that it has some respect. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, real, yeah, real quick on Frankenstein. That's my favorite too, both Bride and, and the first one. 
And uh, yeah. I've been carving for years uh, Frankenstein's monster in stone. I only go up for a couple of days a year in the Catskills. Oh, man. So every once in a while oh, I go up there and great. Some... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so uh, I saw in the uh, documentary, which is really well done, that you refer to uh, Pascal um, not as a ghost, but as an angel, which I thought was very interesting. And because yeah. I always saw the characters very likable, not just likable, but he is like uh, the guy that's trying to, to lead everyone in the right path, even though he doesn't necessarily succeed. Yes, right. He's a ray of hope. You know, that's that was kind of what the role was. It was like this this hope, which turned out to be a false hope, but it kept it kept the audience uh, hooked in because there was some lightness. There was some of that, you know, kind of campy comedy to him that was very prevalent at the time in, in those eighties horror movies. And, and mostly like, Oh, maybe everything's going to be okay. You know, mm -hmm. because Pascal shows up and maybe things are going to be okay. Cause someone from the other side is, is trying to help, uh, which, you know, it, it, Ultimately, uh, Pascal was unsuccessful, but it, he did serve a very important function in the film, you know, of, of keeping people, keeping people like off kilter, you know, is it going to be okay or is it not going to be okay? You, you know what I mean? Those who did yeah. not know how the, the novel was. Uh, <laughs> so yes, in going into it, both Mary and I agreed that this was a, he was a force of, uh, benevolence. Um, uh, more of a guardian angel than a um, than a scary ghost, which you know, even now people say, "Oh, you scared me so much! You scared me so much!" Um, and I understand that because the the look and the nature of the of the way Pascal was presented is kind of scary, like right out of a nightmare. But it also is a little. Um, it always takes me aback because I always kind of think of the guy as having a halo around his head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, even on my, this, the cover of my script, I had pictures of angels, beautiful drawings of angels uh, that I found in this book or that um, to keep reminding myself, this is, you're not necessarily in a horror movie. You're, you're, you know, you're a bit more like like Clarence from a one. It's a Wonderful Life, you know? right? Somebody who's there for, for for a ray of hope and uh, and a few laughs, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's because uh, the whole movie has a sense of dread throughout the whole thing. Like everyone's you know cursed or doomed, and then you do have yeah. your character who, the outer appearance you know is scary and creepy looking, but he's he's the you know the good of the movie. And it's also kind of interesting with the Judd character because outwardly he looks like this very nice man, and yet what he's yeah. doing really sets off, you know, all of the uh, the evil in the movie. Yes, yes, his kind of uh, impulsiveness is the real demon of of the of the movie, you know, and of the story. Um, it's really interesting. It's I think it's quite brilliant the way. Pascal was written and the way that Judd was written and the way that Fred Wynn played Judd was, I think it's just a brilliant performance. You know, it's right, right from the start, the family, you know, is, is pulled into the driveway and they meet Judd and in one little shot and a speech to about three or four lines, you know, when they're asking about that trail into the woods and, and Fred says, Oh yeah, there's a story there. 
Uh, I'll tell you another time. You know, suddenly, oh man, the tension is set up because it's a like it, it, it's it's there's a story about that. You know what I mean? There's this mm-hmm. there's this myth about that place, and he speaks it. He says it. Um, like like people have done, it's like a ghost story almost, and that is kind of you know that's more scary than what comes. I mean, well, what comes is pretty scary, but it's a different kind mm-hmm. of scary. It really grabs the audience. You you, you know what I mean? And yeah. and Fred Gwynn's so brilliant because he does that in just a few lines, even with that big smile, he just sets your spine tingling with what might be down that path. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and you could totally see why, like people would, uh, even though what he's saying to do is crazy and stuff, but he's such a nice guy, and like charismatic, yes. you'd be like, oh well, you know, I could see following him to 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 go yeah, bury your cat. Think, oh, he's he's not going to do anything bad, whether right. intentionally or not. He's 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 too nice a guy. <laughs> it's so it's such a brilliant setup. It's so brilliant. Yeah. I think yeah. I agree. And also, I thought uh, for your character is. Um, his whole movie's about death, and then you have a character who is dead, and it's almost like, well, this isn't necessarily a bad thing or the worst thing. There's lots of worse things that can happen than dying. It's almost yes. like, hey, you know, you know, there's uh, hope after you die. Maybe it's better yes. to stay dead. You know, or try yeah. not to try. Yeah. Yes, and there is death swirling around everything. You know, uh, the the housekeeper who kills herself and. And the, the the Gage's funeral when the body falls out of the casket, there's like there's like a whirlpool of death going going around that family, just slowly marching in, and it seems like there's no stopping it. And you know, and as it turns out, there wasn't any stopping it. <laughs> <laughs> what was Mary Lambert like uh, as a director? Oh man, she she was great. I it was terrific working with her i mean we <clears throat> excuse me she um you know she she was she in her direction with me she was very simple and very clear which made it very easy she knew what she wanted um uh and 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 her vision for the whole film was quite remarkable i think i mean she's she came from she was an artist i believe a a painter um before she started making music videos and and then films and and so she had this this artist's eye for interesting shots but she also understood the genre really well for what it was at the time and and played into all of the necessary things that you needed to do at the time uh, but there's some shots in there that are just gorgeous, just gorgeous. But because they serve the story so well, they don't pop out as, oh, look at that gorgeous shot. You, you know what I mean? It's, it was all in service of that tale she was telling. And I just think she did a remarkable job, really remarkable job. Yeah. Yeah, I've always said, not because you're here, I always said, uh, uh, that was, uh, Pet Cemetery is my favorite um, Stephen King horror adaptation. Uh, it just it's faithful to the book and it looks great. Let's get this dread all. There's everything I like about. There's nothing real. There's really yeah. no negative to the movie for me. Yeah, you know that. You know it's faithful to the book because Stephen King wrote the screenplay, and it took many years um, 
to get it made because uh, a lot of studios rejected his screenplay. And I don't know what the grounds were for that, but uh, because I thought the screenplay worked very, very well. And he was very insistent. This is at least what I've heard, that he was insistent that the, the movie not be made unless it was with his screenplay. And I think because he was tired of the liberties taken with his um, with adapting his novels. Uh, so so that was, you know, that's a big plus, you know, because it did stick very closely to the novel. Yeah, that's weird that, uh, you know, they didn't want to use the script of the guy who wrote the book. Like, the book is so popular, <laughs> we want to make a movie, but we don't want to use the script of the guy who, who wrote the book. Yeah, you know, I think, look, there's this very, there's a very dysfunctional part of Hollywood that mm -hmm. that has to do with power. And, and studios normally will buy a script. If a script is written, they will buy it, and the writer is shut out entirely, and then the studio does what they want with it, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse, you know? Uh, and much of it has to do with, with, with power, quite frankly, you know? Uh, you're the writer, okay, here's your money, now get lost. We have control over this now, you know? Um, so, so it could have been something like that, you know, and, and the Hollywood's mistrust of novelists that they, you know, put too much, try to put too much on the screen, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought Stephen King did a great job. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I'm reading the, uh, <clears throat> Don Coscarelli, um, autobiography who made Phantasm. And he was talking mm -hmm. in, in, in it about, uh, when he was, he was going to make Silver Bullet, he didn't end up doing it. But, uh. He had Stephen King help on the script, and like they they wouldn't use any of it, and it was the same kind of idea. It's so 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 bizarre that they didn't yeah. want any input from the actual writer. Yeah. Stephen King is a very smart guy. He's very very smart. He's a very good writer. He deserves every bit of acclaim that he's gotten. Uh, he's and he knows what he's doing. Um, and I think in hindsight, it was a mistake of everybody to dismiss him as simply a horror novelist, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because he's much more than that. He's because he's very, very smart. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Fred Gwynn in the movie, but uh, were you around mm -hmm. him much when you were making Pet Cemetery? You know, I didn't have any scenes with him. I was I was yeah. quite sad about that. But we would like <laughs> we would see each other in passing. You know, I would. I mean, I spent most of my time in the movie in the makeup chair, you know, getting that makeup put on or taken off. Um, and <clears throat> in the meantime, uh, you know, Fred and Denise and Dale were all working. Um, and they were working with each other all the time. And I was like kind of an outsider in a way. I would work generally about two days a week, maybe three sometimes. And, um, and, Otherwise, I was, you know, holed up in this cabin. I would come to the set every so often and just hang out. Um, so Fred and I, um, we would see each other in passing. Like, he would be wrapped for the day, and I would just be coming on. And uh, and we'd chat. We'd often have lunch together. Um, uh, he was such a sweet, sweet man. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd talk about the shots he did that day or the night before and, uh uh, you know, and about what's going on with the filming and everything. Just, you know, just actor to actor stuff. It was great. It was really, really great. And I, I do so wish he was still alive. He was 
such a kind and gentle and talented soul. Mm-hmm. Now, so most of your scenes are with uh, Dale. Uh, what was he like yeah, to work with? Yeah. <laughs> Dale. <laughs> Dale was great. <laughs> uh, we, we had a lot of fun on the set. <laughs> and, you know, <clears throat> he was more experienced with film acting at that point than I was. And I actually, he taught me quite a bit about dealing with the camera and all of that, you know. Um, uh, we didn't hang out so much off the set. We went to a few parties together here and there, but we didn't, we didn't hang out so much because he was always busy and I was not, you know? Um, uh, but he was, he was great fun to work with. And now we've got this like amazing relationship, you know, we do conventions, the, the cast does conventions very often where we're signing autographs and, uh, we just have a great time. It's an amazing um, group, you know, whether it's it's uh, me and Dale and Denise and uh, Miko and sometimes Andrew, who played Zelda, is there as well. And we're like a family. We're tight and there's no animosity between us. It's really, really pretty incredible, you know. Um, so, yeah, Dale at the time, Dale was great. He was great. He was always very present. It was there were no problems, you know. He really knew what he was doing, and um, and it was a pleasure to work with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Zelda for me was always like the scariest, one of the scariest images in any movie. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. <just> terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know until recently that it, you know it was a, it was a guy who played the role, and uh, yeah, uh, which someone had mentioned that makes it uh, weirder because like even if you don't know, like your mind kind of knows, and there's just something off mm-hmm. about it, which I thought was interesting, right? Right. When he was shooting um, or when he was being made up, I walked into the makeup trailer and they were they were kind of in the middle of um, doing his makeup. And and it, or maybe it was in the beginning. I don't know. And I walked in and we were introduced and, uh, you know, he was a young kid. And all he said was no judgments, no judgments. <laughs> I'm playing this weird character. I don't know what to make of this, but no judgments. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But he so, uh, had like yeah. a terrifically long day, I guess. It was like a 28-hour day, something like that, you know, getting into makeup, then shooting all his scenes, then getting out of makeup. Holy cow. He did a great job. And he's the sweetest guy in the world, too. He's he's really, he does theater in, um, I don't know where he is now, in upstate New York or Pennsylvania or someplace. He, he has a theater company, and they're always doing plays. Um it's great when, when I see him and we're, you know, we're at a convention together. It's always been very interesting to talk to him. Anyway, he did a great job. He was really scary. Yeah. <laughs> I agree <Yeah>. with you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, about the conventions, uh, when you, was it when you started to do the conventions that you realized that like uh, Pet Cemetery had such a, a following or did you know that before? No, I had no idea. I mean, I would get some fan mail here and there. Um, uh, but I didn't know it was so big and so important to people. Um, and when I, the first convention, I was like, ah, I don't know about this. This is weird. I'm going to a horror movie convention. These are going to be really weird people. And I found out very quickly within five minutes. No, these are the, these are very sweet people, very kind. Everybody has their thing, uh, that excites them. Like, you know, me with, you know, if, 
if I were to go to a convention and Boris Karloff was, was still alive, <laughs> I would be falling over. I, I wouldn't even know how to speak to him at the table. So, you know, everyone has their thing, and Pet Cemetery struck a lot of people. So these conventions, you know, aside from making some money, it's like, it's great. The, the fans are so sweet and so nice and so complimentary. Uh, and so tickled to be meeting all of us. Um, it's it's a real joy to go to them. I, I gotta say, it's really really mm-hmm. terrific. And who know knew you know at the time when we shot Pet Cemetery, it was you know it was a low budget horror movie, and none of us got any particular boost from the film. I don't think uh, we none of us like jumped into the next big project. We all kind of. Uh, lingered in actor purgatory for a while before getting our next gigs. Um, uh, and who would have thought that it would um, it would last so long and be something of a classic, you know? Mm-hmm. Great surprise to me and to everyone else who was involved, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was the makeup process like? You mentioned, you know, um, Zelda having the makeup. Uh, yeah. uh, what was your makeup process like? It was very long. <laughs> <laughs> very long. <laughs> um, but, you know, the time went by very fast because David Anderson and his assistant, John Blake, uh, and I, we just had a great time in the makeup trailer. It was great fun. So basically, the first thing is uh, I would come in and, oh, on the first day, or when they were doing a makeup test, I think, they showed me pictures that the makeup was based on of of um, from medical journals of people who had been in car accidents and their skulls had been split open. And, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was stomach churning, these pictures, these photographs. And, and David uh, said, his father, Lance Anderson, designed the makeup. And he said, yeah, we couldn't go as far as reality is. You know, we had to, so they pulled back on the, on the brain stuff from what, uh, we saw in those pictures. Um, it isn't, you know, what, what we did is not too much. It's actually, you know, pulled back from from these horrible accidents. So, so then, you know, the first thing they would do, which was hard at 4:30 in the morning, for example, um, is they they would put this uh, glue on my hair to make my, and where they had to put the brain application, they would put this this glue on. Um, and it was cold, and first thing in the morning, it was just, and it stank, and uh, <laughs> and they'd have to paint it on, and you know, plaster my hair to my head, and then they'd put the brain application on, and then, then it was lots and lots of painting, you know, painting with makeup, um, and they'd make it all bloody, and and they would follow pictures and get it. I don't know how they did it. All those veins, all those veins in my face and on my hands and legs, they were all hand painted every single time. And if you watch closely, Pascal gets more and more veiny as the movie progresses. There were like three, three versions of the amount of veins in my skin. Um, one for the earlier shots, uh, another one for the middle shots, and then really veiny at the end of the, the film. Um, so it was long. Sometimes I would sit in the makeup chair and just sleep as they put everything on. Sometimes I would read, but mostly we just filled those hours with joking around. I don't know how we did it, but you know, three young guys, there was lots to laugh about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
<clears throat> how did that comp- how did that compare to make up later on when you're doing uh, the different Star Trek series? Oh yeah, well I knew what to expect when I was doing those uh-huh. Star Trek things, and those were kind of those were fuller applications. Some of them, you know, where those were hard. Um, you know, when I, when I did Deep Space Nine, for example, I was covered entirely in in these these um, pieces, and so there was no place where my skin could breathe, and and I couldn't hear because my ears were covered. So so on that one, on Deep Space Nine, I remember I had to watch whoever I was working with. I had to watch their lips to know when they were done talking. And then was my, you know, which was my cue to talk. Um, but what happens is your skin can't breathe when it's completely covered by those applications. And, uh, and you get very, um, it's exhausting and, and it's not so good for your health. Um, and you, you get, you're enclosed in this thing. You get a little claustrophobic in your own skin. You know, those were harder Pet Cemetery was, um, it, it, well, what was hard with Pet Cemetery, aside from the time it took, I couldn't, once I was in the makeup, I couldn't lay down in my trailer because it would mess everything up. Um, uh, and so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't relax my head. I had to always be sitting up. Uh, and the other problem was shooting in, you know, when we were going down that trail into the Pet Cemetery, it was in the evening. It was dark, and it was in Maine in, I think, uh, probably in September, and the mosquitoes would come out. And the blood that they put on my brain was all kind of made of this sugar syrup concoction, kind of like caro syrup. So the mosquitoes would come out, and they would just bite me like crazy. They would even crawl up underneath the brain application and just start, you know, jabbing me in the top of my own skull. That was really hard. That was very, very uh, difficult to to get through that night. I couldn't slap them, you know. I couldn't slap uh-huh. them because I would slap blood all over the place. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, I, I'm in New England myself, so I know mosquitoes are, are not a, are not fun to yeah. be around. Yeah. No. <laughs> Besides the mosquitoes, how was Maine? Maine was gorgeous. It was absolutely uh-huh. gorgeous. Holy cow. It was, and I, I had this, I found this little, um, cabin that I rented on the, on the bay. It was right on the water and kind of in the woods. And it was this eight sided thing with two floors, but it, there was no heat other than a wood stove. So man, in October, it was so cold when I'd get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> it was really, really cold. But it was so cool having a wood stove there and heating the place up. And, uh, you know, because I spent a lot of time there because everybody else was working all the time. And I had, you know, often three, four, five days without working. So I would sit there and read my Russian novelists and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of live like a monk <laughs> in this, uh, this little place. And, and, you know, and explored Maine. And Maine was just gorgeous. I, I thought it was so great to shoot up there, you know. There's something, mm-hmm. there's something about that. Yeah, Maine was gorgeous. And, and as I said, the, the Stephen King really knew that turf there. Um, uh, and so I thought it was very, very smart to shoot it there. But that's another thing that Stephen King insisted on, that it be shot in Maine. 
because he had received a lot of flack from from people in Maine, why you know, saying why don't you bring your movies here? As though he had the power to do that, you know. <laughs> but uh, why don't you bring it here to bolster our economy? And uh, and finally, with that one, he did. Um, but then, you know, there were some people. I would always go to this local diner for breakfast, and some of the townspeople then, of course, complained about, oh, these movie people—they're stopping all the streets. You know, they they didn't know what making a movie was all about. Um, and so that inconvenience was kind of uh, unsettling for them until one morning, you know, one morning in the diner, I just said, yeah, but think about all the jobs and all the money that's pouring into this community. Uh, and then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. So um, anyway, I thought it was a great place to shoot it. Way better yes. than shooting it in California uh, on a soundstage, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the feels there. So when the movie comes out, did you go to the premiere? When's the first time you see the movie? Uh, the first time I saw it was at a cast and crew screening at the Paramount Theater in New York on Columbus Circle. So, but those, you know, cast and crew screening for actors, it's it's a bit of, uh, it's work because you haven't, you left the set like months ago and you've gone on to other things and you have to like, oh, who, who was this? Who was that? What was everybody's name? You know, because you get to know all those crew people and, uh, and you have to anticipate them being there and you want to remember their names, you know? So it's kind of like a little test. Uh, so you're watching the movie, but you're also thinking, oh, oh, what was the boom operator's name again? <laughs> uh, but the actual film, um, you know, it, it's very hard to see a film the first time because for me and a lot of other actors, you, you, you think about, you don't really see the film, but you see your performance mm -hmm. and you think about that day, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that, yeah, I was going down that path. Yeah, those mosquitoes. Oh, that's all I remember were those mosquitoes. And so it's hard to see it, you know? It's hard to see it really for what it is for a number of years. So I saw it then, and, you know, we were all very celebratory. We thought it was great and all of that. And then on opening day, I went, I took my girlfriend <laughs> to see it. Um, uh, and the movie theater was packed. It was absolutely packed. Um, and everybody screamed, and, and they applauded at the end. And, you know, that was, that was pretty great. And then I didn't see it for another 20 years until... Mm -hmm. Somebody was wanted to do an interview with me for some special features on a new DVD release. Um, so 20 years went by and I hadn't seen it. And uh, I looked at it again and then I really appreciated it. Then it was like, mm -hmm. then I could see it as a film rather than a collection of days of work that I had done. And, right. um, and that was, then I was like really impressed with the film, really, really impressed with, um, you know, with the film and with the performances, the cinematography, all of that, because I could actually see it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, when, the, when the art came out for the movie, like the poster, then the VHS, yeah. the DVD cover, and, uh, you know, yeah. your character's way up at the top with your eyes and stuff, uh, what did you yeah. think of that? <laughs> that was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that that's what was going to happen, and uh, one day I received this, this package in the mail, just this, this tube and, 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 you know, it came from, uh, Laurel entertainment, uh, which was the production company. And I was like, huh, what in the world is this? And I opened it up and I unfurled this 
beautiful, gorgeous poster with my face on it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, oh, man, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then, of course, you know, uh, I was living in New York at the time. And, you know, the New York Times had these full page ads with my face covering it. I I thought it was great. It was really, really terrific. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I loved that poster. I, I still do. I have one hanging in my studio. Uh, it's right behind me right now, looking over yeah. the shoulder. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I thought uh, Dean Knowles, listener of the show, sent this in. I wanted to read it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, if uh, if you weren't in Pet Cemetery, I would have uh, shit my pants and left the room as soon as Zelda appeared. She was my biggest fear. But Pascal was the perfect counterbalance to ease my child mind. I can remember pretending he was with me while watching it like he'd save me from Zelda. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's exactly what the character was. That's what I was aiming for. Um, mm. Great. I guess I guess I was uh, I was successful. If you get if you get a letter like that, then I was successful. Great. That's yes. so great to know. <laughs> yeah. And he so had a question too. He wanted to know um, what uh, what freaked you out the most in any movie. What in any movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, the end of Psycho. Mm, it's not Psycho, you know. The first time I saw that, I was maybe ten, and it was like three o'clock in the morning on TV, and I was so scared. I I closed my eyes, and I, you know, when when they're revealing the mother, and and uh, I got so scared that I had to turn around and walk backwards to the television and turn it off. I was so scared, and I didn't sleep at all. That really freaked me out. <laughs> when he flips around, no the guardian angel there. To help yeah. <laughs> when he flips, when they flip around and it's the corpse in the chair in the basement. Yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that light bulb is swinging and uh, brilliant shot, you know. But man, uh-huh. for a ten-year-old, it's like, oh, it was so scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you have anything uh, in the works? Uh, let's see. I shot two films last year. Uh, one is a, um, a huge budget, uh, remake of call of the wild, um, that will, uh, come out on Christmas day. So with Harrison Ford and, uh, uh, just, I had a uh, kind of a small role in there as a a dog seller in the Yukon. (laughs) And that was so much fun to shoot. Uh, Janusz Kaminski was the, the DP, uh, and I've worked with him several times. He's Spielberg's DP and brilliant guy. And so it was great. That was like my fourth film with him. It was great to see him again. And uh, that'll be a big, great, big um, family film. Uh, I hope it's good. I'm, I'm sure it will be. So that's coming out. And then I did a, on the other end of the scale, I did a low budget um, independent movie called uh, Now is Everything. Uh, and the star is Anthony Hopkins. And um, and I, I had this wacky scene in that of played this detective in a kind of a dreamlike sequence. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. So that's that's what's in the pipeline right now. And otherwise, just looking for the next gig, hoping to yeah. find another horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when you do the conventions, do like you get a lot of offers because I'll see a lot of um, like veteran horror actors at the conventions, and they'll pop up in a lot of you know. Uh, uh, independent horror movies. And so do people come up approaching like, Hey, I'd like to have you and, and, and so and so. Um, 
Yeah, what happens is every so often somebody comes and says, oh, I'm with this production and here's my card. Uh-huh. Okay, great. And uh, then I never hear from them. You know, <laughs> right, I give right. them my card and I never hear from them. It's not very difficult to find me. You know, it's, it's quite easy. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, nothing, nothing, is, nothing has ever come of those things for myself. I don't know about other actors. I'm sure it happens. But, you know, all of us, look, all of us are, uh, most of us at these conventions, we're aging actors. And there's, there's not a lot of roles for, you know, when you get up into your 50s and 60s. Um, so we're all like, you know, all of us are kind of like bemoaning, you know, oh, where's all the work? Where's all the work? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, but, you know, it could be that also producers are, are a little intimidated or they're going to think that uh, me and the others cost too much or this and that. Who knows? You know, yeah. um, so I wish it would happen because I would love to do some more horror movies. Uh, yeah. So any any producers out there who are listening, uh, you know, just look me up and uh, shoot me an email. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I maybe agree. We, have a like deal. Maybe we could make a movie. <laughs> right, right. Are Are you a horror movie fan now? Do you Do you like any uh, current horror movies? I'm, I I don't follow them so much now. Mm-hmm. The The genre has changed greatly. You know. Uh, and I think the, the, the remake, uh, of Pet Cemetery has, has really, you know, updated it to what horror movies are now, because they're very, very different from what they were when we made the original Pet Cemetery. Um, and I just haven't, uh, managed to keep up with them so much. You know, I, the horror movies in general don't scare me because I watch them kind of objectively. I'm like, oh, good shot, good makeup. Uh, yeah, that lighting thing. Yeah, another effect. And often now they're so full of effects, and that kind of doesn't interest me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I know that I could like rekindle that that um, thrill of of horror movies if I just sat down and watched a whole bunch of them in one week. And maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that next week <laughs> <All right. laughs> and get kind of caught up, you know, caught, caught uh-huh. back up with with the genre. Um, yeah. Uh, but that genre now is also so influenced by television, like, you know, Walking Dead and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'm just so busy with things that I don't, I don't really have time to attach to those shows, um, mm-hmm. whether they're horror shows or, or any other things. If I were younger, I would absolutely be a binge watcher and probably of horror. But these days, my life is very, very full and very satisfying as it is. Um, and I just don't have the time or I don't make the time to, uh, to really, really get into those things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I catch some of them, but, but, um, uh, many just pass me by and I've got DVDs of all of them and just waiting for <laughs> me to watch them. <laughs> right. Right. Did, did you see the new, uh, did you see the remake of Pet Cemetery? Yes. 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 There's a great story about that. Actually. Um, Denise Crosby and I went to see it together. Uh, she lives kind of close to me, and um, and so we went, we decided, oh, let's go to a show where there's not going to be a whole lot of people there, and you have to do all of that, you know. So we went to, on a Wednesday, to like a one thirty show, because um, who goes to see a horror movie at one thirty on a Wednesday, right? <laughs> uh-huh. so, so we go there, and it's this new theater around where she lives, and, uh, and we... <clears throat> um, I was like getting us tickets on the little machine there and the manager was helping me because I'm just useless <laughs> with these computers and uh-huh. things. Uh, so he was pointing out the obvious and Denise was standing next to me and she was like, 
you know, we were in the original pet cemetery. And the manager was like, what? And she said, yes, my name's Denise and this is Brad. And we were in the original pet cemetery. She was so proud. So proud. Uh, <laughs> and the, the manager was like, Oh, wow. Great. Well, thanks for coming. <laughs> and so then uh, he brought us into the theater, passed us off to an usher who sat us down. And so we sat in our seats and waited for, you know, other people to trickle in because we were still kind of early, but nobody did. And, uh, and they rolled the film and we watched it. And, uh, and it was one of those theaters where you could you could order uh, food and drinks. We oh, both yeah. drank some wine during the the showing, <laughs> and and then afterwards, you know, we sat there chatting about it for like twenty minutes until the manager finally came in and we said, "Oh yeah, we got to get out of here." <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, and the manager said, uh, "We said, you know, well, it looks like we got a private screening." And the manager said, "Yeah, I once you guys sat down, I blacked out the theater." Because you guys deserved your own private screening of this movie. Oh, that's pretty. That was so sweet. He blacked it out. He wouldn't come in. It was like, who knows if anyone would have? But what a sweet sweet thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What What was your opinion of the movie? Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I I think it was a a good, solid uh, um, updating of this story for for what the genre is now you know um uh it's it's played into everything that horror movies are right now this kind of relentlessness um uh the the, you know in the in the 80s all of these horror movies had this kind of campy humor to them you know you can see it in the shining you see it in misery and and that was kind of my role in pet cemetery to to provide this kind of campy horror movie like 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 you know if if you watch creep show remember creep show that it's actually yeah it's actually the first uh it's the first uh, vhs tape my mom bought me when i was when i was a kid i still <laughs> love the vhs uh claim show <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great so so you know the that that campy kind of humor um that's kind of what pascal uh carried in the first in the original and that's not part of the genre now you know, mm-hmm. so so the the humor was taken out, uh, and it also you know I felt that it also played very much for an audience that has grown up on The Walking Dead, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and this new the the way the genre has has developed, and so I think it was very worthwhile to redo it for that audience because because that audience you know, mostly younger, um, uh, you know, teenagers and early twenties, they, they may not know the original and they may not, you know, get the original because it was a different thing back then. It may seem like an old fashioned movie. So I thought, uh, you know, great, great. They've, they've, they've remade it in the way the genre is now. And that's, that's terrific. And, but being kind of unfamiliar with the genre, you know, I, I, I don't know, is it good or not? I don't know. I'm too close to it. You know, I can't tell. Um, that's for audiences to say. You, you know what I mean? There are many things. I loved what they did with church. Church showing up at every... I, I, yeah. I thought oh, that, I thought church might have been the best, one of the best part. Because I thought they also made it where church is responsible for the death of, of, of the child in this one. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. Which I thought was, was interesting. Yeah. Right, right. There's a lot of really, really interesting things uh, in it. 
Um, and a lot of things, you know, that were changed that I missed, but I'm of another generation, you know, and you can't make, you don't want to remake Pet Cemetery as an 80s horror movie again. That's yeah. silly, you know. It's already been done. Updated. You can go and watch it. Yeah, yeah. That, and this is exactly what they did. They, they remade it into the genre that it is now. And I think that was a very, very worthwhile thing. And very interesting, you know. So, so many things I really liked. And other things I was like, oh, I missed that and missed that. But that's the way it is with remakes, you know. So, mm -hmm. so I think it's great that they remade it. Um, uh, the cast was, was phenomenal. And the filmmaking was very, very solid. So, so I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. And Denise and I got our own private screening. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I had Denise on a couple years ago. Uh, it was a really uh -huh. fun interview. Yeah. She's great. She's our, our kids were um, played Little League at the same time. So for a while, uh, a number of years ago, her and I was, were hanging out at the, the ball fields in Santa Monica all the time together, just sitting there talking, you know, and we'd always say, oh, man, imagine if the fans caught us here at Little League games. They would just swarm us. <laughs> but nobody knows. <laughs> she's good. great. I just, I adore yeah, she's, she's, she's a lovely, lovely person. Yeah. yeah. I've actually never met, uh, the only person I think for Pets, because I I've, uh, was doing the convention since like 2011, and I hosted mm -hmm. panels before, but I think uh, Miko Hughes is the only person I've met from uh, any of the Pet Cemetery movies. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Miko, he's cool. He has so yeah. much fun <laughs> hanging out with him at these things. Um, he's the only one you've actually met, huh? Yeah, yeah. For some wow. reason, uh, they don't bring the Pet Cemetery cast to any of the conventions I've been at. I'm not sure why. Well, we'll have to change that. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to change that. So, listen, the next time I'm, I'm doing a convention, I'll let you know, okay? And, uh, you know, maybe it'll be in your neck of the woods and you can come and, and visit us and meet us. That would be very, pretty cool. I'd love to meet yeah. you too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Be very fun. So I had a great time talking to you and, uh, you know, I hope, uh, you get some cool stuff coming out. I, I called the wild I read in school, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 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 Nice story about a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> though I do the horror show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Even though I, I do the horror show, I watch all kinds of movies, not just horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, we have, have a lot to talk about. I, I do hope we, we meet someday and we can just sit down and talk about movies in general. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Neil. This was an absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. Bye.
All right, and we are back here once again at the station of decapitation without your head. And I'm still Nasty Neo. And I guess that would make me terrible, Troy. Mm-hmm. A big thanks to our guest tonight, Brad Greenquist of the original Pet Cemetery film, Victor Pascal. Absolutely. That's awesome. It's a very good interview. Very cool to talk to him. Because I always saw the, the character, you know, as a ghost, but he said he saw him as an angel. Ah. Which is interesting. <coughs> I kind of like that. Yeah, because he is there to uh, to bring hope and try to uh, save, you know, uh Save the family from what's about to happen. Yep, yep. And it was that interesting. Cool, grateful Dead kind of character, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, the outer look, so he's all mangled and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's there, you know, and he's dead. And he's there, but he, he but he's the good of the, uh, you know, of the movie. He's trying to get... And then the reverse of that, Judd, who... By the looks of him, he's a very nice guy, very friendly looking, very charismatic, and just like this nice, simple man, really starts off all the evil of the movie. That's true. He wouldn't have, like, let everybody, you know, let the cat out of the bag. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty, it there's a lot more to the mess. movie. Mm-hmm. Great film. Great film. Oh, Still yeah. holds up. Definitely. I don't care what any nincompoop says. <laughs> yep. I'm with you on that, boss. I love them. Yeah. That's a Watch word. It again and again. I agree 100%. And it's one that, that lives up to repeat viewing. Yep. Definitely does. Nincompoop is not used enough. No, it really isn't. You're right. I'm trying to think of the last time I heard that in like some kind of context. Yeah. I'm trying to bring back, because like, asshole and you know, <laughs> I'll, uh, fuck face. Well, fuck face really not use that much, but right, like that the common stuff, asshole, motherfucker, all that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. but nincompoop, you know, or uh, I don't know some other good ones. I'll think of some, but nincompoop's a good one. You know, uh, uh, schmuck. <laughs> I like schmuck. Schmuck's a good one. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, doofus. <laughs> that's that's one that just makes me laugh. If I like that. Yeah. Uh, I like something everyone else. I agree. Plenty of good words out there. Yep. So, the world of horror. If you guys want to call tonight, it's 508 413 3144, or you can Skype in without your head. But I did go see a couple movies last week at the theater. Oh, do tell, do tell. So I saw one that I was not looking forward to. Not a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But I did think it would be a horrible movie. Oh. And that was Shazam. Yep, understandable. That one looked pretty crap from uh, from the trailer. 
don't have a good track record. There's, you know, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I've not liked any DC, any, I'm going to say modern DC movies. Not since the, I, the Nolan Batmans, I don't consider, not that they're ancient history, but I'm not going to put them in with the modern DC movies. I'm going to say since the Man of Steel. Ones. They yeah. were the last good ones that I liked. Agreed. Man of Steel and Beyond have all been subpar. Yep. Also. And really subpar. Like, not even just like, this isn't too good. Like, really <laughs> shit. This is terrible, yeah. Yeah. So I've seen a bunch of them. A couple of them I was... I don't know if any of them I was really looking forward to now that I think about it. But so, but I saw this and like, so first of all, he's got fake muscles and he's got, you know, looks like a jackass in this red suit, you know, white mm-hmm. cape. He looks like a, a real goofball when he's got the big, the big bubble really just, I don't know why that angers me so much. The, <laughs> uh, the bubble in the, in the, uh, in the poster. Yeah. It just pisses me off. I don't think that's the desired effect. No, you know, like probably in this, not. Probably get people laughing, but me just like, God damn it, look at that guy. <laughs> man, I wish someone just punch him. So go into it. But like I said last week, there's people that now there's people who liked it who just like anything. Like if there if something explodes or a guy punches another guy, they love the movie. They just share if there's fires and things like that. Right. Many people like that. Right, right. <clears throat> scar. So, <laughs> if they like something, it's not necessarily that I won't like it. It just means absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. There's no. <laughs> it doesn't go one way or the other. It's, well, because usually you and I, if if you tell me that you like the movie or dislike the movie, more mm-hmm. often than not, I find that uh, that I'll usually be the same way. You know, mm-hmm. there there are movies we disagree on, right. you know, one way or the other, but there's a better chance that I'll enjoy it if you t- give it the thumbs up. Yes, that's a good point. Before I get back to, to what I was talking about, is um, is that's what I think, uh, that's where a critic comes in. Now, some people will say, you know, critics mean nothing, and I don't agree with that right. at all. I think they they have a, a good um, they have a, a reason to be. I grew up watching Cisco and Ebert. Yep. I did not agree with everything Cisco and Ebert said. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to hundred percent of the time with anyone. I don't think. No, but they also introduced me to a lot of movies I would not have ever seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. And also- after. yeah, and after I got to know them, at, you know their their tastes in movies. I could usually gauge if I would like a movie based on their review. Mm-hmm. So, um, Roger Ebert, I tended to agree with more often mm-hmm. than, than Gene Siskel. But it's still not all the times. But if there was a movie he didn't like for a specific reason or a lot of horror stuff he didn't like, I thought, well, maybe I'll like it. But a lot right. of other, like a lot of sci fi and stuff that he really loved, like uh, Dark City. Uh, I also agree. I also love. So the point of this was once you get to know like a critic, you can gauge like based on their opinion, how you're going to like a movie that could be a similar case. So if they like something, you're probably going to like it. If they don't like it, you probably won't like it. Or once you read them for a while or listen to them for a while, you can 
you'd be like, well, they didn't like it, but the things that they didn't like is stuff I like. Okay. So I might yep. like it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, like um, if if somebody's like, if you know that a person doesn't like a lot of like, let's say, just for the horror movies, jump scares. Right. You know, and like that doesn't bother me as much, but some people get annoyed with that. So like if somebody says, well, I didn't really care for this movie as much as I could have because of that reason, mm -hmm. you know, if it's something that doesn't bother me then, you know, I can kind of go along with it and, you know, okay, that's cool, you know, and I'll see for myself. Right. Like our headless critic, Jason Mitten, mm -hmm. like he, he really loves slasher films. So even if it's like a modern slasher, he's probably going to like it pretty well. Yep. And I tend not to be a huge slasher fan. So, yep. but then there's other things. If it's really weird and bizarre, like a, like a, a greasy strangler, he'll mm -hmm. tell me right away, this is the movie you're going to like. So, you know, you get to know, like, uh, what people dig and what they don't, and that's how you can uh, share opinions. Do it, definitely. So I do have a point. So back to my original thing. We're talking about Shazam. So then some people who I actually do respect their opinions of and who don't just like, you know, everything that comes out. Yeah. Told me it was really good. One of those people is Eben McGar, who's kind of like, he doesn't like a lot of stuff. He can be kind of a grump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I was like, I don't know, I don't know about it now, now. So anyway, so I go to the, I'm, I saw I go see it. So man, of my word, I go see it. I wasn't even when I got there, I almost didn't go see it. But I was like, ah, I'll go see this guy. Mm -hmm. so Dragging your feet, though, I know. I yeah, yeah, yeah. But I go, and even if a movie I don't think I'm gonna like, I still go with an open mind. Right. Right. Yeah, you don't want to go in angry or like anything like that. No, no. So I went in and I loved it. That, I was so surprised. That is shocking to me because it's kind of like it had all the earmarks. It's kind of like the other week when you went to see Dumbo and I'm like, okay, you usually don't like Tim Burton movies. Mm -hmm. You usually don't like Disney movies. And usually don't like movies with a lot of CGI in them. <laughs> and that one ticked all the boxes. Yeah. The head so I went to see that one. Like, I, I really, I questioned you on. Yeah, yeah. You tried to warn. You were like Pascal. You were like, don't. Oh. <laughs> but in fairness, <laughs> I did. Peter is sour. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. The aisles were not meant to be crossed. <laughs> Peter is sour. That's right. <laughs> but well, that, that theater seat is stowed here. Uh, right. I, I'm saying I like Danny DeVito, but I, he's not been in very many good movies. He's been in a lot of shit, shit movies. So Yeah, he's he's another guy that's got to stay away from Burton. Because, like, yeah. I always remember that awful penguin. Yeah, a lot of people love it. A lot of people know think it's the best. That's just totally terrible. I, yeah, it's a really bad, really piss poor movie. Now I could, I even though it's not my favorite, I do at least I can understand people liking the Nicholson one. Oh, yeah. he is awesome as the Joker. Yep, yep. Like I said, whenever I watch that movie, I just fast forward to the parts with Jack in it. Yeah, and now it's cool all of a sudden to like the one with the Riddler and Two Face, which I thought was like universally panned. Yeah, that's that's a really god awful movie. That one might 
might be even worse than the second one. It's terrible. Yeah. I think I like the second one last just because I was really because I thought it was perfect casting. Mm. Yeah, I thought I I kept getting fooled over and over again every time they'd make one of those awful movies. I'd be like, uh. "Oh my god, Danny DeVito is the penguin. This will be great." Right. Oh, this movie's terrible. And then, oh my god, uh, Jim Carrey and and. Uh, Oh, and Tommy Lee Jones is the Riddler in Two Face. It's gonna be great, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. It and was then terrible. I even did it with with Schwarzenegger and uh, <laughs> uh-huh. and the late great Jeep Svensson. No, I really wasn't <laughs> excited about that. I didn't know who he was at the time. Yeah, and that movie was the worst of them all. <laughs> that one, I have to admit, is my guilty pleasure. Oh, okay. I do enjoy. I, it's terrible. Yep. It's by no means good at all, but I I, I do enjoy it. That's okay. Doesn't but make not, you a bad person. No, it's good. Uh, it's like the room, like but see the room. I just don't even think is that is funny. Bad. I just think it's bad and kind of depressing. <coughs> it's just bad, bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't get the fascination with the room. Did you end up seeing? <laughs> Um, no, no, I haven't. I, I saw the the make, you know the. I like that. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, that was good. The Disaster Artist is that what that one was called? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yep, I like that one a ton. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I didn't see it till it would have all the hype that it was. You know, this hilarious movie. Yeah. All this crazy. I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. So Shazam. So. Here's the thing about Shazam. Everything about it seems like it should fail. It's like it's very out- <laughs> it's, it's very outdated and it's like its premise and its own. Uh-huh. So it's like about a, a really good person who does who does heroic things and he's like it's his magic by by a wizard from like another realm. And he's like an orphan. So all this stuff. And I'm thinking like you, you can't make this movie today. Like no one's going <laughs> to gonna be loving this, you know? Yep. Yeah, especially since, you know, DC's been like pumping their dark and broody. Oh, yeah. That kind of stuff at you. But this movie proved you can do a modern day Superman movie because it was about a good guy who was heroic. And is basically unbeatable, but they made it fun and interesting. You don't have to make him emo. You don't. You don't have to make him a murderer. You can just be a good dude. Just kind of a fun-loving cat. Yeah, it felt like a Marvel movie. I know DC fans would get mad at me for saying that, but the the how I mean that is, it was a good blend of uh, of comedy, action, uh, here uh, heroics. And it was upbeat and had a great villain. So it had, it, it was a good superhero movie. It wasn't dark and dreadful and, and <laughs> it made uh, you feel terrible. good. Right. It, it, I should now I, Batman should be dark and, and, and brooding. Oh, yeah. yep. Fine. But when you see a Superman movie, it he should not be just doom and gloom and, and killing people. <laughs> yep. Yep. And crying like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's all those guy things like. you definitely don't want with your Superman. No, 
So, so he starts off, you know, I don't, I know nothing about this character whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's Billy Batson. He's a kid. Actually, if it starts with who I thought was Billy Batson, it was another kid, but he turns out to be the villain. And oh, so, no what, yeah, what was really cool is both the villain and the hero have basically the same background. Uh-huh. They're both, um, they're both um, brought to the wizard to see if they have a pure heart and become and can become the chosen one. Uh-huh. Um, and they're both. Yeah, this is kind of spoilery here. They're both um, uh, like given up on by by their their real parents. Mm-hmm. One goes on to do heroic things and the other one goes on to do evil things but they both have the same like uh same you know beginnings but um so i like that yeah like that and it shows like how you can be shaped by by things that happen to you as a child and so the the wizard he tells the villain when he's a kid you're not good enough you don't have a pure heart so you can't be the chosen one that fucks him up because he's a little kid and not only is he told that by his real father, now he's told that by this wizard who he thinks is going to, you know, make him into something important. Wow. That, yeah, that's kind of depressing for like Dr. Savannah's like a little yeah. kid. So I, he's I, got I didn't a know that. Back. Yeah. So he's got a great backstory, you know, and that mm-hmm. eats him up for, for, so he's, you know, like a middle-aged guy. You're maybe probably in like fifties, you know, when you see him again. Uh-huh. And so this, his whole life he devoted to, to getting back there and finding this power. And so I was like, that, now that, that's a great villain because not only is he evil, but he's, he's, um, he has a reason uh-huh. and you could see why he does what he does. So, but really good stuff there. And you could look more into it. Like I was saying there. Uh-huh. And, um, so Billy Batson, he, you know, he gets the powers and then they do stuff. Which in the trailer I thought like kind of goofy, but it worked in the movie. Uh-huh. Like you know, trying to go buy beer because like he's an old he's he's a grown up guy now and figuring yeah, he's out a little kid power. trapped in like a, a man's body, right? Yeah, and all that worked in the movie. And they also played off the fact that the suit is silly looking. Uh huh. And they also play off the fact that Shazam is a dumb name. <laughs> Do they call him Captain Marvel or no? No, I don't think they ever call him anything. Oh, okay. His his buddy keeps coming up with silly names to call him. Uh-huh. He records them and puts them on, you know, YouTube and stuff. Oh, okay. So that's another thing is one of my problems with Captain Marvel is uh, the Captain Marvel uh, Marvel movie was I always find um, superheroes that are unbeatable kind of boring. Right. Shazam is basically unstoppable uh-huh. powers wise but he he's a kid so he doesn't know how to fight uh-huh. he so you know, does dr savannah have any powers in the movie or he does he does eventually when he goes see another thing with the wiz the reason why the wizard needs a champion uh-huh. he's the last of the wizards and he's keeping the seven deadly sins at bay and in the okay. movie, the seven deadly sins are like these seven demons trapped in statues. Oh, okay. And you need someone of pure of heart to uh, to keep them at bay, and that's what Shazam is. 
But mm-hmm. they're always tempting. They, they're t- so that's why it's be pure of heart, or else you'd be tempted by the, the seven deadly sins. Right. And so when he, when, um, when the doctor finds his way there, they tempt him, and he absorbs. He he frees the seven deadly sins, and then they use him use him as uh, you know a, a, like a a vessel to to get them into the real world. Oh, okay. So then he's ultra powerful at this time. So he's basically as powerful as Shazam. He's, but he's got the uh, these demons with him, mm-hmm. which has the big showdown. So that so so there. So he doesn't know how to fight. He's a kid, so he also doesn't really want to fight. And also, he, his his family is part of the movie. His foster family, and so then he's got like dependents. So they, so it's kind of like you know Aunt May or right. whoever. Where you know the villain can go and threaten these people, and I mean that's kind of like a, a go-to in in um, superhero things, but mm-hmm. it works because then it gives us it gives him vulnerability. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he is uh, the Foster family in any movie I can think of is always awful. Oh yeah, they're either you know pedophiles. <laughs> Worthless drunks, yeah, yeah, like something the, evil, worshiping Satan, yeah, yeah yep. locking them up in the basement. Even, even Harry Potter, they was locking Harry Potter up in the basement. <laughs> oh, really? At the very, yeah, at the oh, very least, that, that. yes, at the very least, they're you know cheating the government just to get money. Oh, you know, okay. <laughs> there's never, there's never good. But these are actually good people. Uh-huh. And then there's a nice message in the movie that. Uh, family is is what you make, you know. So it's like he's not related to any of the people. His actually family treat him like shit. The um, but the his his foster parents and his foster siblings are a real family because they treat each other like a family. That's a nice positive message. Oh, that's awesome! And they all have to work together at, at the end. So, God, this is almost like one of those things. Remember. Um, you know, you talk about it sometimes with, uh, oh, um, you know, like if in a movie there's actually a priest that's a good priest, right, or something like that. You know, it's things you never see. Uh huh. Exactly. So that so it was like this good movie, and it and it worked. It was fun, and it wasn't like cheesy. It like it would be, but it's not. Uh, and the action's good, it, great villain. Mm-hmm. If I have any negatives, and it's kind of nitpicky, it's more my problem with modern movies, not so much Shazam's fault, is um, I do think the seven deadly sins or design is great. Uh-huh. They look awesome. But the CG itself is kind of, you know, iffy. It's like, you know, you could tell they CG. Yep. But... But those that's are like just, the only thing that's like, yeah, uh, like that in there. Okay. Yeah, that's just kind of nitpicky. I mean, yeah. you can really fault that in pretty much any modern movie. Yeah. So there are some uh, very stay for the uh, the after credit scenes. Oh, okay. Great stuff. Uh, even though I didn't even know who the hell the character was. Uh, I won't spoil this, but uh, I talked to Troy, and he mentioned some character from uh, from Captain Marvel, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's that's the character that that comes on screen after the credits." 
that's just awesome. And like now you you might want to look up like um some of the pre DC Captain Marvels because mm-hmm. not only Doctor Savannah's in there who has a great crazy look. He's like got these big spectacles and this giant overbite and he's just nutty. And then there's like, you know, a bunch of other crazy characters in it. I forget the name of their they have like this evil society. Mm-hmm. And it's uh Oh, okay, it's the Monster Society of Evil. I love it. And at one time like um it was like uh um these crazy characters, Doctor Savannah and Mr. Mind, who's a two inch earthworm and he has like this voice box and he's a super genius. And I think Adolf Hitler is in there. And then there's Captain Nazi and all these like just crazy, crazy characters. See, because I think like, um, and I'm not sure who originally created it. I think it was like C.C. Beck drew it, but I don't know who wrote it. And uh, like, uh, it's just some really, really wacky stuff. And kind of, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I like it. Yeah, so giant any, dude. yeah, any group that's got like, you know, Hitler and, and a worm and Dr. Savannah, it's got to be pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I knew nothing at all about uh, Shazam and Captain Marvel, but I am now a fan. It was also a really bad 70s show with, uh, with Captain Marvel in it. Really? It, it, yeah, it might have been a um, Sid and Marty Croft thing because it was a live action thing and uh, it was really poor, poorly done. And I suggest you avoid that, but go back <laughs> and try to find some of like the, the old comics. Yeah, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to look it up the '70s TV show because that's me interested. In. Oh yeah, he looks awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I think it was the Croft thing because it was uh, that one. They tried to do a bunch of live action superhero stuff like that. Electra Woman and Dinah Girl and uh, and Isis, which was equally as bad. Yeah, not Isis like the. Oh, uh, no, uh, this was like the the, um, the Egyptian goddess. Oh, okay. And some little girl it was pretty much the same premise as, uh, as Shazam. Like she would. She would turn into Isis, the goddess, and then stop crimes. Yeah, it was called the Shazam Isis Hour. Oh, was it? Okay. All right. Looks like he was really good at shape when the show started. It seems like it was only on, like, it was only on a few years, but looks like he gets really out of shape. Like, <laughs> that was that was the curse of, like, some of those things. It's kind of like um, Gil Gerard and Buck Rogers. Uh-huh. He, he had kind of that, like, uh, Bill Shatner thing where like he'd start the season off being all all buff and then like near the end of the season they have this big like Labanza going on and stuff <laughs> uh-huh. like I think the caterers must have been too good on that show mm-hmm. man I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get interviews uh, the guy who played Billy Batson he's still kicking oh okay how about how about the old Captain Marvel yeah yeah nice Nice. So is he, he a kid the, in the? Sh- he must be a kid on the show. Then he turns the Captain yeah. Marvel, just like. Huh. Yep. 
he does like it's kind of the Wonder Woman spinning around thing, you know. It's just, but he says the Shazam. All right. Huh. What else did this guy do? Jackson Bostwick. That was his name. He's also in Tron. No. Yeah, was, this guy's the main. Wow. I don't even remember the theme song to it. Usually I remember things by its theme song. Mm-hmm. He was on the Red Skeleton Hour. Nice. He was on Evil Knievel. Maybe Evil Knievel jumped over. Maybe. Well, a lot of the stuff that he's credited for, but like, yeah, on Evil Knievel, he played Linda's lover. <laughs> I don't think that was necessarily a big role. <laughs> I could Might be have wrong. Been in the Battle of the Network Stars, because that was also big in the seventies. <laughs> do you, do you remember that? Yes, I, I I don't ever remember watching it, but I, I know of it. Okay, it was like the Battle of the Celebrity TNA. <laughs> it was good times. They'd like show these like close up replays of like uh, Farrah Fawcett running in like a bikini and stuff. A lot of pervs watch that stuff back in the day. Yeah, yeah I'm going to try to get this guy on the show. Be you should. Cool. That'd be awesome. We can find some old episodes on um, on the YouTube. Yep. And I, I think the woman that played Electra Woman then went on and started that soap opera that like our mom used to watch. Hmm. If you look up Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. I'm looking up ISIS right now. Let's oh, okay. Check out wait. ISIS. Yeah. And you're going to think it's going to be some, like King. terrorist, huh? Uh-huh. I don't know. She, she's still kicking, too. Oh, good. Yeah, maybe Man, you could yeah. do, like, a whole series deal of, like, um, bad 70s, like, TV. Yeah, probably not a good thing to call it that. <laughs> well, probably oh. you, don't have, you don't want to approach the people like, yeah. <laughs> H.R. Puff and stuff, man, that was a shit. Do you want to come well, on and, like, um... She hasn't made anything since, like, 1980, though. Wow. I wonder if Sid and Marty Croft are still alive. Or if they're, like, so high they wouldn't even they... know they are alive. <laughs> I think one of them died. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I think I looked into that before about getting them on. Maybe both of them. I'm not positive. That's one thing we could have asked uh, Eddie Munster about, because he was also in Lidsville. Mm. Yeah, if he would have stayed longer than five minutes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, hey, how was Sid and Marty Croft? Yep, bye. Okay. I'm a book. And. Oh, man. Well, the land of the lost people, you know? That would be good. Like, uh, who's a little April guy? Chaka. Yep. Gotta find Chaka. <laughs> Somebody from Buck Rogers. Yes, fuck yeah. It is called 70s, like the 70s TV. <laughs> yeah. 70s sci fi or something. Awesome, actually. I love Stuff it. Stuff that warped my mind as a kid, you could call it. <laughs> I was like two, so. But yeah, but it could be stuff that warped my brother's mind as a that's kid. True. That's true. I did watch Buck Rogers, though. I yeah, remember Buck, Buck Rogers. Rogers was awesome. That, yeah. uh, Sid Haig was even in Buck Rogers. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah. You get that so, yeah. woman, uh, Princess Ardala, or whatever her name was, on from Buck Rogers. She was like the evil woman. Mm-hmm. She was the one that, uh, you know, Sid was like her bodyguard guy. Yeah. So then I went to see Hellboy. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We went off on a completely oh, different Oh, no. Don't be sorry. Yeah. Hellboy. So I hear one's like, it's, it's certified rotten. Yep. Rotten Tomatoes, yep. 9%. People like it, which I assume 92% of people hate it, 91%. Yeah, that's then, not good. No. So then, then the thing is, now, like, if you went, if you go and see a movie and you don't like it, fine. That's fine. That's your opinion. Yep. But if you just say, oh, because I see people do this. They'll just say, oh, well, this movie sucks because it got negative 9%. Or, oh, this movie sucks because it, it, it bombed at the at the theater. No, it does, it does not mean it sucked. It might mm-hmm. suck. But and you can't even you can't have an opinion on a movie if you didn't see it. Right, exactly. That's just ludicrous if you yeah, if you haven't seen it at all. Yes. So I went into it. This movie is like universally well, not universal because I've seen a lot of people now saying they like. So we go into it. I was saw it on IMAX on the fucking enormous. This just enormous. So I will say, I sit in the back so I can kind of look at my phone. Because they play a half-hour of trailers, which is cool if it's a trailer I haven't seen. But if it's a trailer I've seen now three or four times, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> You want to hit the fast-forward. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I, I see it's Godzilla, and I'm like, well, that's cool. But I, I've seen the trailer for Godzilla. But this is a different trailer, and I literally just, like, stopped looking at my phone. I was like, oh, wow. It was... <laughs> It was like a two minute or two or three minutes of uh, um, the, the um, Ghidra, King Ghidra. Ghidra. Yeah. So his, his, uh, his debut in the movie. And I've got to say, it looked fucking awesome. Uh, that's a, that's great to hear. Yeah. And it brought out like the kid in me. It was very, like, it was just, it was awe inspiring on that giant screen, this giant monster, and each head's like the, you know, uh, popping up one at a time, and then nice. Godzilla comes out, and they start the battle. And I'm like, God damn, that looks awesome. And he had his wings and everything? Yeah, yeah he looks nice. amazing. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I'm glad to hear that. So, from there, so Hellboy comes on, and right away, I'm into this. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it is bad shit crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, the do they plot- start off like the, like the old you know, like the original one where, you know, when they first get Hellboy when he's a kid. No, they don't okay, start. Good, they start good. with him already part of the part of the group. They do then later on tell that story, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's done well. So it's not just the same movie, you know. Right. But in case you haven't seen the other ones, and they do tell that story, and it's right. not not like uh, super long. So like you know. But so, you know, so, so you have Nazis and like, yep. you know, crazy, not, uh, this, you know, Nazi cult, like bringing, you know, this baby, you know, this hell baby to the world and his, and the whole backstory with that is like his mom's like fucking like a goat. Nice. Goes, like, what? this is just fucking crazy. And then there's like, there's this old like superhero who was a Nazi hunter. He's like the, uh, I forget what he's called. So he was but, like kind of a Captain America kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you know, maybe he's back later in the movie. Maybe he isn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> and 
And uh, he's played by uh, Emma M O O N spells Reba there. Yeah. Oh no way! Yeah, that That's guy from Coach and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or not Coach? Is he Coach? No, no, yeah, it's, no, not that coach? guy. Yeah, it is that. I'm thinking of the wrong guy. It's a guy oh. from Wings. The uh, who's a good act? Who's a better actor? Actually, the guy, the big, the big doofus from from Wings. Oh, okay. So, uh, so anyway, so you got that, and then I've seen people mad that they that they Excalibur and King Arthur's in the movie, and, and it is. But this is the thing: it's about a half demon, half human guy with a giant fist who rips off his own horns and fights monsters. Is it so absurd then that King Arthur is real in this world? <laughs> No, Why I, is that where where you draw the line? <laughs> so I'll buy all this other stuff, but man, come on, Excalibur! Now you're just getting silly. Yeah. So if if I say everything, it's it's like, well, this does sound this like you're just jamming everything you could possibly put in the movie, and they do, and it was fun. <laughs> okay, good. When I when I see a movie like this, I want to see craziness. I want to see monsters and battles and you know some stupid you know some silly one line that kind, that's what i want to see and they made the movie i want to see when i go see a hellboy movie yep oh that's awesome there's and if you're a D fan you're gonna geek out there's probably the best looking giants i've ever seen in a movie no no kidding and baba fucking yaga nice and her hut, and her hut is on giant chicken legs hopping around. Oh, I'm sold right there, Chief. And she's nasty. Uh huh. She's I like I like witches, but it has to be a well done witch. Usually they're kind of like goofy to me. I like a witch that's nasty, and this is like a this is almost like the witch from uh, Pumpkinhead, but yet she's more powerful. <sighs> nice. Ooh, I'm digging it. A real, you know, gory, nasty woman. And is eating kids. Eating. Ah, it's so good. That's awesome. Just like Bobby Yaga. Yeah. Man, I loved it. I had a lot of fun. So I recommend it. Hellboy. All right. I Actually, just from those two reviews, Neil, I think I'll, I'll try to see them both. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, I think I'll I think I'll definitely see Shazam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it a lot. So uh, opening this uh, week is um, the Legend of Lore. What is? How do you say it? Legend or something? Oh yeah, the um, like the Mexican one, right? Yeah, the curse, the key, yeah. the curse of Urona. Yep, yep. Which looks cool to me. It does look good. I tend not to like a lot of the these kind of movies mm -hmm. but it does look good from the trailer I, i'm gonna go see it. yeah yeah i'd like to see that one so that and another one but it, it's it's has a very limited release but if it's uh if playing anywhere near the the trailer looked great it was one that troy found Oh yeah, that one like, um, and it just kind of it caught me off guard because usually, in the circles that we run in, we hear about the upcoming horror flicks and things you know that nature, 
but this one just kind of like snuck in on us and I, I found it on um, on Fandango and now I forget the name the Hag Hagazusa uh, Hagazusa I'm not sure Hagazusa. if that's even how you say yeah <laughs> and um, yeah it looks awesome I think yeah, it's good. Uh, kind of, kind of looks like a, a witch movie. I do think it's a foreign movie because they don't speak in the trailer. So I assume that they, uh, which I don't care. I'm just saying. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's I a subtitle uh, thing. Yep. So oh, it actually opened today. Oh, today. Oh. In a remote village in the 15th century, the orphan Albrun grows up to become a marked woman. The scapegoat of ancient superstitions and monstrous misogyny, the self-styled witch begins to assert her otherworldly birthright. The plague she conjures makes human cruelty look pathetic and small by comparison. This atmospheric debut feature from Lucas Feigelfeld is a haunting pagan death trip in a startling vision of psychedelic horror. Sounds awesome. Mm. Yeah, and the trailer, like, it's just so eerie and, like, the, um, just wherever they filmed it was beautiful and just, it, it had me hooked. Mm. Yep. I don't, like, I don't know, is it a German film, Neil, or is it, like, Netherlands or something? Mm, a lot of snow in the uh, in the the trailer. Yeah, the um the font they use is kind of Nazi ish, but I don't uh. know. it is. Let's see here, looking on IMDb, I'm not seeing. It usually says at the top, you know what country it's from. And so this is this person's first film, huh? I yeah. didn't even well, know that. There's an American movie. Oh, okay. So what the hell do we know? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it says a country here, uh, German. German. Oh, it is German. Okay. It's in German. It just, it looked like a beautiful, like, you know, area that they filmed it in. And I, I think it's like a period thing. I think it's probably in the past at some point in time. This is his debut film, but it says he's direct. Well, I guess the other ones are short, so I guess it's his debut. Oh, okay, huh. that's pretty cool. Yeah, which is another thing you think somebody would have told us about. People are keeping secrets from us now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vera should should know about it. I know she's probably in the movie, and she didn't tell. Probably, probably. I just saw this. Uh, one of my favorite movies of last year, "Tigers Are Not Afraid," is coming to Shutter. Oh sweet! I've been dying to see that one. Yeah, it's a it's a great movie. It's uh, horror elements. I don't necessarily call it a horror movie, but um, mm-hmm. you know, there's ghosts and stuff. Uh, I love it though. It's, it's a fantasy movie about um, it's kind of the mix of real life horror and then uh, you know, supernatural horror. Oh, okay. It's about uh, orphans in Mexico and, and the real life horrors and uh, what goes on from there. But I definitely recommend it. One of my awesome. favorite movies last year. It is cool about doing the uh, festivals. You get to see a lot of these movies and that uh, come about then, you know, the next year on Shudder or Hulu and all these things. 
Let's see, because I, I saw the Queen of Hollywood Boulevard's also on Shutter. Oh, and really? I think it's on it's on Tubi too. Oh, too another cool. movie I really like. I again, I'm not the you know I've not been a huge DC fan, but uh, I just saw now it's very brief. It's only like I don't know ten seconds or something. But the Swamp Thing uh, teaser looks great. Oh yeah, yep. They have that definite. Like um, rates and vibe in the swamp mm-hmm. there, and and the the swamp thing himself looked great when he pops up. Yeah, did you see who plays the swamp thing? No, Derek Mears. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Oh great, that that's probably a perfect person for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, big giant dude. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Good for him because you know we've known him for for years and oh yeah, we'll cool see him in like uh, hopefully a big show. Yep, yep. Yeah. Is, is it going to be one of those? Are we going to be able to see it, or is it only going to no. be on that DC thing? <laughs> it's only on the DC stream. Oh, man. I'm hating these things lately, though. I'm not yes, liking this trend. Yeah. No, I, I love them to begin with, but they just... like you, I don't know. I mean, I already get Hulu and Amazon... Well, yeah, Amazon Prime and Netflix and Shutter and <laughs> you yep. know, if you have that all up, that's, you know, getting about 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. And if you get all these other ones, you're going to start getting up to about 100 bucks. You know, this is too many. Yep, I agree. And they're too, like, specific now. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, I don't know, having a, sh- a channel that's just DC stuff. You don't know how many. Yeah, that's just. That seems a little wacky. That's like the ABC one. I really want to watch Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. but I don't really want to pay for a streaming service that has, well, two shows I want to watch. has that and the, the new um, Star Trek. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. You know, but seems- still, though, for one or two shows on each channel, and if you're going to have to get like, you know, like 12 different uh, streaming services to get everything that you're looking to, to get. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems a little wacky to me. Now, it'd be one thing if they put all the episodes up like they do on Netflix, because I could just get it for a month and watch them all, and then you break it down like that. That's five ninety nine, and you could watch them all. Okay, you know, it's cheaper than going to the movies. Yep. But yep. I, I don't think they like that. They come out every you know every week. Oh, do they? Yeah. And it's not even that it's a bad deal, because still, if you think of that, like, that's six bucks, and you see four episodes, it costs 12 bucks to go see a movie. But it's just the fact that that's not the only one I want. I'd have to, you know, I'm still going to get all these other ones. So it just, it comes to too many. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. The thing with the Disney one is, you know, they're going to have Star Wars stuff. They're going to have Marvel shows. So you have a lot of content there. It's not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's possibly better, you know, better use of money. Oh, yeah. I saw Netflix is going up in price this week. But not by a lot, was it? Was oh, it by like... Color. Oh, okay. Not a bit. Not a bit. Uh, Virginia Madsen's also in, uh, in Swamp Thing. Oh no, kidding! Mm-hmm. Well, so they're getting some pretty good people then. Yeah. Speaking of good people, I don't know if you're aware, Neil, but in August, mm-hmm. 
the Boston uh, Comic Con is, oh, really? is coming around. And they haven't announced a ton of guests yet, but the, the ones that they did announce are kind of interesting. Because we have um, some of the kids from the Goonies, mm-hmm. which is pretty neat. Yeah, I love the Cor- Goonies. Corey Feldman's there. Sean Astin. Awesome. And uh, Ki Hoi Kwan, who's also in Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's cool. And Zach Levi, the guy that's uh, captain, well, Shazam. He's going to be there. Oh, in the new movie? Yeah. And so it's funny, the two people that are the stars of the two movies that you were just talking about are both going to be there. Because David Harbour from Hellboy is also going to be there. Oh, sweet. So I, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, that's a big guess. So it might be it might be something that we, uh, we might want to think about. Because mm-hmm. Neil Adams is going to be there. They have a bunch of you know comic book people. John Byrne, Neil Adams, Jim Lee. So, might be and it's got the cool. voices of uh, the Transformers, uh, Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, who played Optimus Prime and Megatron. Now, are they the are they the voices in the movie or the old cartoon? Or? I think the old cartoon. I think. Oh, that's that's better to me. So. Yeah, me too. So this this might be one that we want to go to. You know, this this sounds like it might be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. I'm seeing uh, Peter Cullen's uh, from the new show, new movie, I guess. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Oh, you know what? I think he's both. Oh, well, that's even better. If he's like the voice of Optimus Prime on both. Yeah, that's pretty wild, actually. Yeah. Good for him. That's cool. He's also in GoBots. No way. Yeah, you think you'd be kind of a traitor if uh, if you were doing that. Damn, this guy did a lot of voices. He was also in Judge Joe cartoon. He played Airborne and Xandar. Nice. Mr. Z. I don't know who Mr. Z is. No, I don't either. And Osiris and Cobra Trooper number one and Cobra Officer number two. Nice. But he was primarily Xandar, which is a character. Uh-huh. He was uh, some voices on Muppet Babies. Nice. The original Ghostbusters and Rambo. Well, I I love some of those people that did like so many different voices in, in different shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, none of them were like like Mel Blanc or anything, but you know, they did just so many of them. What sectors? That was, um, you remember you had them. They had the little hand like the puppet, puppet bugs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's a really underrated toy. Yeah, those toys were great. No one ever, ever talks about them. They're pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to get this guy on the show. Very interactive, like, toys, you know? Mm-hmm. He was also the voice of the Predator in the Predator movie, the first Predator. Get out. I don't even remember the Predator talking. Just at the end when he laughs and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, when he sets his little bomb and then it goes like, whoa, 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 whoa. got almost like that jab of the hut kind of laugh. Yeah. 
He's also the voice of Eeyore and a lot of uh, Winnie the Pooh stuff. Oh, Jeez. wow. It's, just, yeah, it's all over it's the very place. Thing. From great. Eeyore to the Predator. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe the Fan Expo will have to be in our future in August. Yeah, it sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Looking I haven't to... been to a Comic-Con in a long, long time. I've never been to a Comic Con. So. Ah, so you might you might really dig it then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Maybe I'll see if uh, we get press pass. Maybe I'd be even cooler. Free yeah. stuff's even neater than uh, right. Right. Not free stuff. Might work in better with uh, for like inside your head. I don't know. Oh yeah. But anyway, you could just to mention everything. You know? Yep. Exactly. See if any of them get any attention. Exactly. If they give you the yeah, yeah, yeah on a couple and then hit them with a third one, like, holy shit, absolutely. <laughs> so the guy who played Opt, I mean, who played uh, Megatron's voice, he's in a, he's also a bazillion different voices. Is that that Frank Welker guy? Yeah. Batman, the animated series. Who was he in that? Asus the Cat. Oh. And the Thug. So he's like a lot of thuggy voices and stuff. But Isis the Cat was in several episodes. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's, um, oh, what's her name's cat? The Catwoman's cat. Oh, okay. The Schnookums and Meat Funny Cartoon Show. (laughs) I like the name. Yeah. Uh, He was Barney Rubble on the Flintstones Wacky Inventions. Oh, man. That was one I don't think lasted too long. Yeah. So Mighty Max, SWAT Kids, SWAT Cats. <laughs> SWAT Cats was a great show. Really? I don't remember that one. Don't remember those? Weren't those the two cats that like flew the plane? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember this. I'm seeing them. I don't them. You I don't, I have, it. Really? Yeah, I remember you watching it as a kid. No, no memory of this. Oh. They, Sonic they... the Hedgehog. They just kind of like do like tough guy cat things. They go and rescue people and stuff, and they'd fly around on their plane. Darkwing Duck, Doof Troop, Fish Police. The Fish Police. Why do I remember that? Got a pretty sweet name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they were protecting fish. I think they were actual yeah, fish. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a guy called Muscles Marinara in it. That's pretty awesome. God, there was some big name people involved in, in, in that show. Ed Asner. No way. Mm-hmm. Tim Curry. Wow. Buddy Hackett. No. A, a lot of those guys were great doing like the voiceover thing. Oh, yeah. Like Ed Asner and Freakazoid was the balls. He was like the police chief. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was awesome in that. Jonathan Winters. Oh, yeah. John Ritter, damn. Wow. And which show was this? The Fish Police? The Fish Police, yeah. How the hell did they even afford to make this show? <laughs> That's why it went off the air, because they yeah. were like, we can't afford to pay everybody. <laughs> damn. But he he was Muscles Marinara on that show. That's a that's a great name. That is. That's that's like the coolest name. Yeah, apparently only lasted six episodes. Oh, no way. Yeah. Ed Asner was Chief Abalone. Uh, oh, man. So he was like the the police in, in every cartoon, huh? Mm-hmm. 
Except for the animated Superman one where he was like um, Dark Side's, uh, like the old lady that trained like uh, all all of like Dark Side's like henchwomen. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Can't remember her name. Mother something or other. Okay. And that was Ed Asner, which was pretty bitchin'. It was on the Gummy Bears cartoon. Nice. God, everything. I don't the think Super, I the Further the... Adventures of Super Ted. Super Ted. He was even better than regular Ted, huh? Mm-hmm. He was Slimer on the Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters cartoon. Wow. Snorks. Oh, I remember the Snorks. Because they were like the underwater Smurfs. Yeah. He was the voice of the gopher in Caddyshack 2. <laughs> I bet he was fiercely proud of that. You want to think Caddyshack, but Caddyshack 2. I know. Then you're like, hey, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds very cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So I think that'll be a good time. And then especially when they start adding more guests on there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, I saw the rebooting Masters of the Universe. No way. Yeah, as, as far a, as, as an animated movie. show or a movie? No, doing a, a new live action movie. Wow. Well, the old one set the bar pretty goddamn low. So. Yeah, that's one. It's weird how things age because stuff that I remember everyone loving now it's cool to hate, and stuff that no one thought was good now they think's awesome. <laughs> People don't like that, do they? Yeah, I see people saying it's a classic movie now. No. Hmm? If if your yeah, movie's got Billy Barty in it, it can't be any good. The the no, worst it's... like dwarf actor ever. Yeah, it sucked. Terrible movie. Horrible waste of Frank Langella. Mm-hmm. So oh this is cool. Sophia Lillis, uh, who I interviewed on uh, Inside Your Head. She's uh, gonna be in Gretel and Hansel. Ooh, what is this? A long time ago, in a distant fairy tale countryside, and focuses on a young girl who leads her little brother into a dark wood in desperate search of food and work, only to stumble upon a nexus of terrifying evil. Ooh. All right, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. They had to call it Gretel and Hansel. You got to put the, the girl's name first. Got to switch it around, yeah, to keep people guessing that way. Exactly. Exactly. So, this is interesting. Zack Snyder, he usually makes movies I hate. Uh-huh. Uh, but he did make The Watchmen I like, but I think everything else I'm not a fan of. But what he's doing he a, um, a lot of those new DC movies. Oh, okay. So he's uh, doing, and he also did the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I don't hate, but I don't, I never understood the the fascination with it. Yeah, I, I don't mind the movie, though, to be honest. It's all right. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. I just, I don't think it's nearly as good as, I think I'd like it better if it wasn't Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, same here. If they would have just altered a few things, make it its own movie, would have yeah. been fine. Um, so he's doing Army of the Dead. It's a $90 million zombie movie starring Dave Batista. Nice. I love me I'm some Dave Batista, Neil. I really do, yeah? 
I agree. I think he's a really good, uh, really good actor. Yep. Because he he can do really great comedy, but then he does serious roles really well. I just think Batista's like just a really good actor. Yeah. Apparently, it was going to be his sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Oh no, kidding! But for some reason, it never would. It never happened, and now uh, it's happening, and it's going to Netflix. Oh wow! You know, Netflix must make bank though. They're paying <sighs> like ninety million to make a movie. You're not it has kidding. Has theatrical release. That's craziness, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. I mean, I'll definitely watch it. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, me too. So. I don't know why did why has Critters all of a sudden been like because they had the Critters TV show on oh, Shutter, yeah. and now Critters Five is coming out. Holy, wow! It's been years, hasn't it? Yeah. Critters Attack, Critters Five, and it's rated R for bloody creature violence. Nice. What were the old ones rated? I remember them being pretty violent. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are. But see, yeah. nowadays it's like really cool to say something's R. <laughs> That's true. You gotta like preface it with that. Yeah, if you say it's PG-13, you're a pussy. Like it's just got it's got to have you know violence. It's gotta have a lot of blood. It's gotta have boobs. They gotta say fuck a lot. Otherwise, it's not a horror movie. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's what you're looking for in your flicks now. Right. Which I don't really stand by because a lot of my favorite horror movies aren't even R-rated. Like I don't think Psycho is, or Frankenstein, or a lot of uh, a lot of even newer stuff like Drag Me to Hell. I think is a lot of fun, and it's PG-13. So to me, it depends on the movie. And that's not to say I don't think R-rated movies are good either. It just a movie can be good or bad, depend regardless of yeah, uh, whether it's R or PG or G or anything. Right, right. Because I think I think Jaws is PG. I think you're right. Yeah, I think PG or maybe now it would be a PG-13 that they didn't have at the time. Right, right. I could be wrong, but if I am to hell with it, it's bit, you know, it's first time for everything. Man. Yeah, one one just never knows on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Any other news of anything cool coming out? Oh, there's a, a Dolph Lundgren uh, zombie movie. What is it called? The d- 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 Dead Trigger. Dolph, Z- uh, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Lundgren is uh, blowing away zombies in it. Hello. Dead. Um, I'm sorry, Neil. What was that? Dead Trigger. It's a Dolph Lundgren zombie movie. Now that might be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Could be fun times, I think. I, I kind of, I'm kind of a sucker for Dolph Lundgren. I like him too. Yep. I um, I like more stuff with him than not nowadays. Mm-hmm. And usually, if I see him in something like it, makes me happy. It just, uh, it just you I know agree. makes me feel good. I agree. I agree. A nice comeback story. I dig him. Have you ever read the uh, Stephen King short story "Rest Stop"? Rest stop. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I have. Because it. Um, I, is this going to be another one, kind of like um, Gray Matter? No, I think it's actually 
making a movie about it, an actual oh, gonna, movie. Oh wow! Is it an older um short? Not that old. Two thousand eight, just after sunset. Huh. It was, I guess, a collection of short stories. Just after sunset. I'm trying to remember the rest of the stories in that one. Yeah. It was also it was originally published in two thousand four. Uh, won the National Magazine Award for Fiction, and then mm. it was included in this collection in 2008, just after sunset. Oh, okay. Does it say um, who, uh, I mean, what it's about? Uh, propulsive cat and mouse thriller following the twisted journey of two women after a fateful encounter on a highway rest stop. All right. I do remember that one now. Okay. Yep. That's a good one, Neil. It's a really good story. Uh, that's cool. And so it's going to be a movie, huh? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I'm always, uh, I like almost all the, the recent uh, Kings. I didn't go out and care for pets. Much. I didn't hate it, but uh, I didn't hate, you know, it wasn't that great. But I do like a lot of the new, uh, the recent King stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, did you watch the uh, premiere of Game of Thrones? No, I haven't yet. I'm so, I'm bad. I'm I was meaning to do that today and just ran out of time. Damn. So it was really good. I dug it. Looking I've heard forward nothing to but good things about it. Yeah. It's the, that's another cool thing now is to tell everyone you don't watch it. Well, I think that falls under the heading of, I you know, I never watch wrestling, but I'll tell you everything that's happened on every, you know, Monday right. Night Raw in the last 10 years. But mm-hmm. I, I don't watch it anymore. Like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, pretty lame. I don't understand that whole idea. Like, if you don't watch it, I, that's totally fine. Maybe it's not for you, but yeah. Like, what? 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 You're not like a tough guy if you don't watch <laughs> it. It doesn't really take like a lot of a uh, lot. Of, it doesn't take talent. You didn't accomplish anything not <laughs> watching something. <laughs> right. Right. And if it's something that, like, if you like fantasy, you know, if you dug the Lord of the Rings or something, then maybe you should watch it. You might actually enjoy it. Yeah. And if not, who gives a fuck? Right. You watch you know an episode and you move on to something else. Yeah. I, just, I never watch, I've never seen an episode of The Simpsons. Right. <laughs> I don't brag about it. Maybe I'd love it. I don't know. I didn't, I'm not, uh, it's not an accomplishment in my life. I just don't watch it. Yep. Yeah, that, that always reminds me kind of like um, that scene in The Breakfast Club when he's, you know, like, well, I couldn't make, what couldn't he make in in, uh, in the shop class? It was like a lantern or something like that. Or right. Yeah. You know, like, uh, no, what am I, an idiot? Because I can't make a, a, a lantern he's like no you're a genius because you can't make a lantern you know it's <laughs> like so what so you didn't watch it okay good who cares right. yeah no one gives a fuck yep. <laughs> yeah I didn't watch like um, whatever the latest cool sitcom is but I didn't tell anybody about that yeah there's, there's lots of things I've not seen I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've never even seen a, um, oh, what are those? This table self-destruct in 10 seconds. Mission Impossible? Yeah, I've never seen any of those movies. Right. I saw the first one. I even liked it. 
Yeah, and then you didn't watch anymore. No. I'm not going to say I hate them, or I'm not going right, to beat right. my chest like, oh, I've never seen this. Oh, I'm the fucking best. <laughs> I'm so yeah, edgy. Yeah, it's I will watch it, but, you know. Right. But I, I was like that, you know, I was late to the party with um with the new um, 007s until you watched a few and told me about them. Yeah, and I was pretty late three, myself. Yeah, and, and they were fantastic. You know, the mm-hmm. Daniel Craig ones there, like, are just so good. Yeah, they're my favorite ones. Oh, yeah, by far, too. Like, not even close, you know, with the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're fantastic. So, yeah, when I started watching them, I was like, wow, these are really, really good. I'll have to watch them all now. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was just that I, I hadn't watched them. It wasn't like, ah, screw that. I ain't watching it. <laughs> Uh, right. Like okay, don't watch it. Just move on. Yeah. yeah, no one gives a fuck. Yep, exactly. So uh, coming up next week here on the show, Troy, we're gonna have uh, Miguel Nunez from Return of Living Dead. Sweet. And from uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Five, and from Joanna Man. Nice. I guess that guy's been in a bunch of stuff, huh? Yeah, he's been in tons of things. Good. And we'll also have Jex Blackmore, former head of the Satanic Temple Detroit chapter. Nice. She was actually kicked out of the Satanic Temple for being too too extreme. Wow. She didn't mention the Satan name or something, did she? She uh, in she had this. It's pretty wild. I saw part of it. Uh, I will say this. This is on. This on. That's just coming on the show. Mm-hmm. When I watched Hail Satan. I really liked it. Yeah, um, I remember that. He, yeah, they're mostly they're kind of trolls, but with a reason. Like I explained on the show. Mm-hmm. Her segment is the part that actually felt dangerous. Oh, really? She was like inciting violence. She's telling people to kill uh, the president. Nice, and it had like wow, is that dudes with like you know like like uh, like uh, chained up with stuff over their face and their dogs hanging out. <laughs> it was just crazy. Like it, okay. it seemed like legit, like what you think of if you think of like what a Satanist would actually be. Right, right, okay. How much of that is theatrics? How much of it is or beliefs? I, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Well, that's but from what right. I understand, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely intrigued though. Yeah, from my understanding, she's not thrilled with her portrayal in the documentary, so we're going to uh, talk to her and find out uh, why and what, what she is all about. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have, you know, like somebody else's point of view, like especially if they're, you know, in something that may or may not be true about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I like documentaries. Documentaries, but you do know you don't know how they're how they're edited. As much as I love right. uh, King of Kong, mm-hmm. it is clearly edited to make uh, to make the one guy look like the villain and one guy make look look like the hero. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now we I think there is with anybody's you know kind of point of view. Sure, uh, sure. Thing they're trying to get across. Yeah, I used to be of the belief that a, that a documentary has to be like totally fair, but over time uh, I thought well. I don't know if that really makes sense. Like, 
is that I don't even know if that's practical. Like, yeah. I think if you go out to make a documentary, you're probably going to, sh- sh- you probably have some side in the art. Right, right. Yep, yep. Yeah, if you're pro, you know, one way or the other, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, it's, yeah, I think that's human nature. I don't think anybody yeah. could be totally impartial, mm-hmm. you know, unless whatever you're doing the documentary about allows you to be. Mm-hmm. You don't right. show both sides of, of one thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that you should uh, alter, like, the facts or, right, you know, right. manipulate something to where it's no longer, like, actually truth. But I do think all documentaries have some type of slant. To it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen that with, like, um, biographies, you know, like, written. And you'll read, like, two books about the same person, like... I remember reading two books about Brando and even a lot of the, the, the facts and the stories that were told in there. And a lot of them were completely different from one telling to another. And it's like, okay, well, these events happen, but we're getting like different views on, you know, the things that happen here. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So uh, also check out inside your head. Um, there's a lot of non-horror uh, interviews up there. Mm-hmm. So um, there's going to be an Andrea Evans interview coming up there. She's a soap opera icon from Bold and the Beautiful, nice. One Life to Live, Passions, and now The Bay. Oh, and wow. Talk to her about that and about her new uh, documentary, Rocking the Couch, which is uh, you know a lot about the Me Too movement. And oh, sexual uh, predators and assault and the differences, which I like the documentary because it's uh, because it it talks about levels of things. There's a difference between you know hitting on somebody inappropriately, mm-hmm. something that's you know not cool to do, and something that is actually criminal to do. You know, there's right, differences. right, yeah. Somebody that's just kind of like sketchy or like hey, this guy's kind of a sleaze. Right. Or like this guy's a criminal. It's you right. know, two differences there. Yeah. So that'll be up by uh, this week. And also tomorrow, the long awaited David Hasselhoff interview. Yeah. Awesome. Too cool. And on another personal note, I don't know if you can speak much of it yet. Mm. How is your personal short project? Oh, uh, fantastic. Uh, it's being, um, I don't, we can't say where or anything, but it's being, uh, <laughs> Finishing touches are on it. There was a um, a rough copy. Uh, I just talked to him earlier, and he loved the new stuff that was filmed for it. Excellent. So they were laughing, and it has been accepted at, at uh, a couple of festivals, but I don't think I, I, I can say where as of yet. Okay. But it's it's still moving forward then. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think we'll be able to uh, announce pretty soon because the, the one's coming up in a couple months. So. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> pretty sweet and uh, so huge thanks to uh, michael epstein and sophia cassiola uh, mm-hmm. sophia got a lot of great shots and uh, michael edited this together and i'm really proud of it i think it, it, it's excellent it's very funny and uh i think uh, my i hate to say my performance is good but i think it's good and uh and they put it together well I, everything about it i really dig all right awesome you saw the rough cut what did you think Oh, I loved it. I loved it. So far, I, I I can't wait for it, actually. Very good. Totally geeked for it. 
Yeah, that's going to be pretty sweet. All right, Troy. So until uh, next week, this is Nasty Neil. And this is Terrible Troy. Actually, before that, I I I can't can't leave without saying this. Happy birthday to the headless critic, Jason Mitten. Jason, excellent. Our our dear friend and the hardest working man in uh, in reviews, I think. He is yes, he works hard and he's a good guy. I like that dude. Yep. He's uh, he's my young boy. He's <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. it's always good because especially since I found out that both um uh Jay White, the the uh current New Japan champion and uh oh uh the hangman uh page they they both started as young boys right and so look at them now you can be the champ after being a young boy so that's pretty good yeah i hope he doesn't like take me out or something you think he will think he'll go all switchblade on you and good take that heel turn Mm mm-hmm I won't see it coming now because I'm like all positive now. I know you. You're like up. You may not not be nasty, Neil, for too much longer. I mean, nifty Neil. Yep. Yep. Neato Neil. Neato peachy Gain Neil. Man. Nice Neil. I don't know. We'll have to see. This is this is a transformation. You're. This is. It's a good thing though. This is smiling Neely Jones going coming at you. Mm-hmm. Been good. Been good. And I like it. I like it. Been positive, been upbeat, mm-hmm. and kind to his fellow man. It's very true. It's very true. I just told the young boy, I said, we gave you a happy birthday. He said, oh, well, now I'll have to listen because he normally doesn't listen. <laughs> All right. I take back everything I said about him. Right. right. Oh, and I also want to announce this before the end of the show. Um, our friend Jim McDonough, who uh, makes wild, crazy uh, short films. Just a sweet man, too. I love that guy. Yeah. You'll be able to get official Jim, Jim McDonough merchandise through the Without Your Head Amazon shop. Oh, sweet. I dig that, too. Show the man but, some support. Yeah. So it's only like $15.07. You can get yourself a Jim McDonough. I owe you. It's a big list, I think. Two bananas and one black eye T-shirt. Nice. That's up right now, and there'll like be others to too. come. I definitely dig that. Now he's the man, and we sing "Happy Birthday." Oh man! All right. So before the laugh. Mm-hmm. Happy. Uh, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Headless Critic. Happy birthday to you and many more. Man, I think we nailed it. I think we're like I think we killed like it. The modern day Crosby, Stills, and Ash here. I, I could see that without Young, 
Like, you know, that's... Oh, okay. oh, no, he's pretty awesome. I love me some Neil Young. Yeah, I think I think and they'd have to warble a little more though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw someone hating on him the other day. Hating on Neil Young. Yeah, people hate on anybody. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I remember when I just had the stash going, and then people at the the horror convention said I I had that like David Crosby thing going on, Mm -hmm. which was kind of cool. Yeah. All right, now we are going to get out of here, but check out Without Your Head. There's a lot of cool interviews up there. Sometimes we, well, we do the live show every Thursday, but there's a lot of other interviews that pop up. Just recently on the website, there's an interview with Candace Nachman that was uh, recorded at Boston Underground Film Festival. Really fun interview. I hope people check awesome. that one out. M.W. Daniels, who, uh, that was really fun. Uh, he made the short House of Lexi. Uh, he's a filmmaker out of England. Nice. Scott Conroy, who uh, made Blackout with uh, Rami Malek. Mm-hmm. Wild. Tate Steinsick, a really uh, fun, long interview about all kinds of horror stuff. He's a FX artist. And oh, the man sweet. Behind the new puppets and the new puppet master, a little less right. Oh, no kidding. I'll have to check that one out, too. Yeah, and he's also rebooting uh, Castle Freak. Oh, nice. That's Get awesome. Back, uh, when that gets closer. Uh, Janet. I dug. I did too. It's a really underrated movie. Yep. Janet Varney from Stand Against Evil. That was a lot of fun. And her new thing, uh, Fortune Rookie. And Lyric Lewis, who's not necessarily uh, horror related, but she's in the new show AP Bio and was on Mad TV. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Was, uh, both those are. Um, uh, actors, comedians, and it was really a lot of fun to talk about them. And last week's show, Antonio Pantoja, the director of One Must Fall. Fantastic. I mean, some people are saying the favorite of the year. Oh, that's awesome. Check really all those nice out. Guy. He was, he was yeah, a cool, cool nice guy. Yeah, I liked Indeed. him a lot. So now, now and then help um, make the young boys happy birthday great send them happy birthday wish and go over to withoutyourhead.com and read some watching movies he watches movies and then he reviews them he's uh, been slacking a little bit this month uh, we were saying he's working hard but he's hardly working now so get to work oh. Jason. so he's only got like 40 movies so far this month I know I don't know what the hell he's doing but, uh, you know got too much free time on his hands what's up you know Doing the naughty, watching those uh, those uh, naughty videos. Oh, okay. So yeah, uh, you gotta you know gotta make time for both, I guess. Mm-hmm. So until next week, this is Nasty Neil, and this is Terrible Troy, and this is Walt. Your Ed. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Closer, come closer. Don't use your eyes, just use your eyes. Come closer, come closer. Let water rise, let water rise. Come closer, come closer. It's not so hard, it's just the rocks. Come closer, come closer. Follow your heart, follow your heart.